The reading this morning is from John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. Jesus washes his disciples' feet. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that his time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This morning we are continuing our, our series of uh, 40 days of uh, relationship. The journey continues. And today is day, day 22. We're just over the halfway stage of, uh, of 40 days. Of relationships. Uh, seven sermons to listen to, six small groups to attend, and I, can I say again, it's not too late to uh, to join a small group if you're not part of one. We're only halfway through. Uh, while it's a series, each individual study is an individual study on its own, and if you want to join a small group, uh, do have a word with me and I can point you to uh, a small group. There's small groups meeting most evenings of the week, I think, uh, in and around the area. Uh, 40 daily readings to read, and of course, six memory verses to learn. We do want to try and learn these memory verses off by heart. Um, In the foreword of the American version, which we're not doing uh, uh, this year, uh, Rick Warren uh, says this about the study. He says, learning to love God and others is to be our highest goal, our greatest aim, our first priority, our deepest aspiration and our strongest ambition. Loving God and loving others is what we are about during these 40 days of relationship. Just to give you a quick recap, first week we looked at what matters most, and our memory verse, of course, was let love be your highest goal. And uh, looking at 1 Corinthians 13, we said that uh, if you don't live a life of love, uh, nothing that I say will matter, nothing that I know will matter, Nothing I believe will matter and nothing I give will matter if we don't live a life of love. And then in looking at what love is, we said that love is a command. 
Love is a choice, love is a conduct, and love is a commitment. And then we too, we were thinking about the fact that love is kind. And our memory verse is, of course, is do for others what you would like them to do for you. This is a summary of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. And we were looking at the story of the Good Samaritan. And we said there's four things that the Good Samaritan did that we should also try and do. Uh, seeing the needs of people around us. Sympathising with people's pain. Seizing the moment and spending whatever it takes. And then week three, uh, we were saying that love does not envy. And of course, the memory verse was for where you have envy and self-ambition, there you find disorder and evil practice. And we were looking at the parable of the workers in the vineyard, and we said to get envy out of your life, you must stop comparing yourself with others. You must be grateful for what you have. You must trust God when life seems unfair and you must keep focused on God's plan for you. And this week we continue in our 40 days of relationship and week four we're thinking about the fact that love is humble and uh, the memory verse uh, that is worth learning just in case anybody tests you on it. Uh, Pride leads to arguments, those who take advice are wise Proverbs 13, uh, verse 10. And, uh, of course, we're looking at the whole area of love and relationship through the eyes of 1 Corinthians 13. uh, And verse 4 says, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not boast, it is not proud. And, of course, this week we're looking at uh, the fact that love is humble uh, through this lovely uh, passage in John 13, 1 to 17, where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. So love is humble. Somebody once said that, uh, that humility is like underwear. We should all have it, but we shouldn't let it show. We should all have it, but we shouldn't let it show. That's why some of us don't tuck our shirts in, just in case. You've heard of the saying that uh, practice makes perfect. And uh, believe it or not, this is, uh, this is me. I'm the one with the ball. And uh, when I was a youngster, every day when I came home from school, the first thing I would do was change into my Manchester United football strip. And I would go out in the garden and I would practice playing football, with the hope and idea, idea and dream that one day I might be good enough to be a professional footballer. I still have that dream. <laughs> it is just a dream, though. <laughs> it's just a dream. But it's that idea that if we practice something, uh, we actually get better at it. And, uh, you know, some of you are musical and play musical instruments. And uh, it is only for you practicing uh, that you become better at something. And uh, this morning we were thinking about uh, four ways in which we can actually practice humility. With the idea that we actually become better at it. Without making a song and dance about it, of course. And uh, the first way in which we can uh, practice humility is practice giving preference to others. Practice giving preference to others. Jesus says in that uh, 
in that passage from, uh, from John 13. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and it had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped round him. I guess before we say what humility is, we need to say one or two things that humility uh, isn't. Because sometimes humility can be really misunderstood. Humility is not, uh, it's not shyness. It's not being timid or being bashful. It's not being a, a wimp and allowing people just to, to walk all over you. Humility is actually not not having a lot of confidence. Jesus says in that passage that he knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So Jesus had great confidence in knowing who he was and he knew that all power had been given to him. And that God had put all things under his power. So, humility is, is not a lack of confidence. In fact, humility takes a great deal of confidence. And our confidence should come not in the fact that we have a lot of power, but our confidence should come in, our, in and through our relationship with Jesus Christ. That we know who we are in Christ Jesus. And that should give us the confidence to be able to be humble. And so it's not about uh, just allowing people to walk all over us or, or being shy or timid. Humility is something that we choose to do out and through our relationship of Jesus Christ. And of course, following his example. Because as Christians, that's what we're called to do. We're called to follow Jesus. And Jesus is very clear here that he's giving us an example that we ought to follow. And so, practice giving preference to others. Practice allowing other people to go first. A good area to practice this is when you're driving. Have you noticed uh, how mean and miserable and even angry people get when they're driving. And how few people actually let you out at a junction. And some people even block the junction with their car. And as a result, other people get very angry. We've, we've even got this term that we use now, don't we, called uh, road rage. Uh, you know, practice humility when you're driving your car. Practice humility, you know, when you're in the supermarket. Just ask yourself, what do you do? You're in the supermarket, you're, you're on the last minute, you've dashed in, you know, to get something, and there's endless queues. And suddenly, one of those very helpful people uh, comes along with a sign saying, there's, a, there's, a, there's spaces here. Now, what do you do? Do you dash to that, to that queue, knocking everybody else out of your way in your, in your hurry to get there? What do you say? Yeah, come on, everybody. Move over here, and I'll go to the back of the queue. Probably not. Uh, you know, if you think that this sermon this morning about humility is not for you, then it definitely is. 
If you think this sermon here this morning about humility is not for you, then it definitely is. Because we all need to learn and we need to practice. We need to do things that demonstrate our humility without making a song and dance about it and pointing to ourselves and saying how wonderful we are. Practice giving preference to others. Jesus does something here that is shocking, that is outrageous, because it wasn't expected that the leader would take on the form of a servant. But actually, that's what distinguishes Jesus' model of leadership. He introduces this idea of servant leadership, of the ideas that leaders are meant to actually serve the people. And he demonstrates that in a remarkable way. You might not recognise this guy, um, but actually, this is the late Dave Thomas, the founder of Wendy's Hamburger chain. I do like Wendy's hamburgers. I don't know if you can actually... You used to be able to get them in London, but I don't know if you can now, but they're really tasty. They, they, they did square hamburgers, strangely, rather than round ones. Really tasty. But, he, but he, was, he was very well known in his company for what he termed the MBA attitude. The mop and bucket attitude, in that he his 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 leadership, he he, he was prepared to to take on menial tasks, even though that he owned the company. This is Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of the Christian faith, and he had the TBA attitude, the towel and basin attitude, in that he demonstrates that to be a leader, you need to prepare to serve others. You need to humble yourself. And that's exactly what... It isn't just what Jesus taught. It's what Jesus did. And so often, uh, we know what the right thing to do in any given situation is. The difficult thing is actually doing it. The difficult thing is actually doing the right thing in a situation. Not knowing what the right thing is to do. And Jesus demonstrates that. So practice giving preference to others. Why not see this week? If you can practice doing that, giving preference to others, allowing other people to go first, uh, holding a door open for somebody, just simple, uh, you know, acts of random kindness. Because we want to follow Jesus. Love from the centre of who you are, Romans 12. This is the message verse. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Practice playing second fiddle. Leonard Bernstein, the famous orchestra conductor, when he was asked what is the most difficult instrument in the orchestra to play, orchestra to play, he said second fiddle. And here, uh, in the message paraphrase, we get that lovely phrase: "Be good friends and love deeply." Practice playing second fiddle. Be prepared for somebody else to shine. Be prepared to allow somebody else to take first place. So practice giving preference to others. That's the first way in which we can practice humility. The second way is to practice learning from others. Practice learning from others. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. 
Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands, that should say, and my head as well. Practice learning from others. Uh, Peter learnt from Jesus. There's nothing worse than somebody who has stopped learning. Because the person who stopped learning thinks that they know it all. They think that they, there is nobody who can teach them anything. And we've all met people like that, haven't we? Uh, whatever the subject is, they're an expert on it. Uh, they want to tell you that they know better than you, and you can't teach them anything. Sadly, there are characters like that within the Christian church who, who become unteachable. They're not going to change. They might not be happy with the way that they are, but they are content, and they're not going to change. And they're certainly not going to allow you to teach them a different way. Jesus comes... And he shows the disciples a different way. And Peter's reaction initially is to say, no, you're not going to do this. And Jesus says, you don't understand what I'm doing now. I quite like that phrase, you don't understand what I'm doing now. Because a lot of the time, you know, I, I look at situations in my life and in the world and I don't understand what God is doing. I don't understand. And we don't always understand what God is doing. But we have to continually say yes to God. And here, Peter is big enough to learn. Practice learning from others. It'll actually make you a nicer person. You know, if in a conversation, you don't want to fill the conversation with lots of things about how great you are and how wonderful whatever it is you're doing, but if you actually listen to somebody else and ask questions because you can learn, will actually make you a nicer person. It will also make you a wiser person because you can learn from other people. We can learn from other people's experiences. We don't have to wait to experience something ourselves to learn a lesson. We can learn from other people and their experiences. If we take the time, if we are humble enough to say that you can teach me something. So turn to the person next to you and say, I can learn something from you. Just try it. Turn to the person next to you and say, I can learn something from you. The person might be looking completely starkled and panicking and thinking, goodness me, what can I teach this wonderful, wise person? But you can learn something from the person next to you because they'll have had different experiences. They will have, have had different experiences. They'll have, they'll have learned things that, that you haven't learned. You will know some things that they don't know and they will know some things that you know, don't know. You know, whenever you're in a quiz, uh, if you know the answer to the question, the question's very easy. Uh, but if you don't know the answer, the question is extremely hard. And that is the case in life. And some lessons we do learn the hard way. And within this congregation, we've got so many people with so many experiences that we can learn from others. If we take time to listen, and if we take time to take an interest in people's lives, we will learn an, earth, an awful lot um, again in Proverbs, it says, Pride only leads to arguments. This is our memory verse for the week. Pride only leads to arguments. Those who take advice are wise. Let's be wise people. We can all get into arguments about different things, and sometimes that's fun. Some people even enjoy getting into arguments. But let's learn from others, and let's be wise.
So practice learning from others. That's one of the ways in which we can practice humility. And then this is a biggie, isn't it? Practice admitting when you're wrong. Anybody got anything wrong this week? (laughs) All the time. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, (laughs) I know the feeling well. (laughs) Yeah, practice admitting when you're wrong. You know, I think one of the biggest needs in our society today is we can teach people that it's okay to admit when you've got something wrong. You know, politicians, they won't admit it when they've got something wrong. They'll go all round the houses rather than say, actually, I was wrong with this. Do you remember Margaret Thatcher? Uh, she wasn't for turning. She wasn't for turning. And there's uh, so many people uh, think that admitting you're wrong is a weakness. That admitting that you've, you've made a mistake is something to hide away and hope that nobody finds out. Jesus teaches us a different way. It's the starting point of our relationship with Jesus Christ saying, Lord, I've made a terrible mess of my life. Can you possibly forgive me? Can you give me another chance to get it right? In, uh, in John 13, Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean, he says to Peter. Though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that's why he said, not every one of you is clean. And of course here he was referring to Judas. And it's an interesting kind of, uh, you know, if you compare Peter and Judas, both of them got it wrong. Peter denies Jesus, on three occasions, Peter was always getting it wrong. Judas betrays Jesus. One sin wasn't worse than the other, but Peter was able to live with the things that he got wrong because he he held his hands up and he allowed Jesus to forgive him. Judas sadly couldn't live with getting it wrong and he ended up taking his own life. Uh, you know, practice admitting it when you get it wrong. Uh, George Beasley Murray, uh, commentating on this passage, he says, John makes one of them, one of the massing of theological propositions in order to bring out the great truth of this, that this divine self, consciousness of Jesus, confronted by the final assault of the devil, directed through his instrument Judas, manifested itself not in a sovereign display of omnipotence, but in an amazing act of self humiliation. Jesus washes the disciples' feet, including Judas, even though he knows he's going to betray him. He washes Peter's feet, even though he knows he's going to deny him. And he washes our feet, even though he knows that we will fail him time and time and time again. Practice admitting when you're wrong. It would be refreshing You know, if you're in a work situation or in a family situation, if you actually put your hand up and say, you know, yeah, I I was wrong. People will be genuinely surprised and shocked because it's not the way of this world. We live in a world where people hide away from admitting that they've got something wrong. He who conceals his sin does not prosper, Proverbs says. 
He who conceals his sin does not prosper. So next time, when somebody says, anybody got it wrong this week? Let's not be ashamed of admitting it. Let's not be ashamed of admitting that we get things wrong. Because as a pastor, I get things wrong on a weekly and on a daily basis. I get things wrong. Uh, But I find comfort in the fact that I know that I can go to my Father God and I can say I'm sorry. That I can go to my brothers and sisters in Christ and I can say I'm sorry. I've got it wrong. He who conceals his sin does not prosper. Practice admitting when you get it wrong. And then the fourth thing. Practice surrendering your plans to God. Practice surrendering your plans to God. Jesus says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. This is the challenge because this is the way we're supposed to live as followers of Jesus. Not putting what we want first, but putting what God wants for us. Not putting what we would do in a particular situation first, but taking the example of Jesus and following that example and doing what Jesus tells us to do. Practice surrendering your plans to God. James 4 says, God opposes the proud, but he gives his grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but he gives his grace to the humble. It's not that we shouldn't have plans. It isn't that we shouldn't have dreams and ambitions and that we shouldn't want to achieve certain things. But we should always lay them side by side with what God has called us to do and God has called us to be in Christ Jesus. And that's what we're doing in these 40 days of relationships. We're trying to prioritize God's plans for us rather than our own plans. Uh, We won't get everything done that we would like to do. Uh, Not in a day, not in a week, not in a month, and not in a year. We all have a long to-do list. And it's only the things at the top of that list that will stand a good chance of getting done. And so we need to prioritize. And Jesus says, you know, we need to prioritize loving God and loving other people first. And then we can move on to other things. And we need to practice. And we practice that by actually doing it. Just as I practice kicking a ball against a wall, or you practiced on the piano or on the guitar, uh, we need to practice these things. Because Jesus says, I've set you an example. I've shown you what to do. I've shown you how to live. I've shown you how to die. And the challenge is is that we are called to die to ourselves to live for Christ. We are called to be like John the Baptist, who pointed people to Jesus. And John says, I must become less that Jesus becomes more. Our job is not to point to ourselves and to say how great I am, 
but to point to Jesus and to say how great he is. So, practice surrendering your plans to God. Take your plans to God and surrender them and say, here I am, wholly available. As for me, I will serve the Lord. So, four ways in which you can practice humility uh, this week. Uh, You can practice giving preference to others uh, in lots of practical ways. You can practice learning from others, listening to what people say, showing an interest, asking questions. You can practice admitting it when you're wrong. Shock your friends and work colleagues by admitting that you've got something wrong. And practice surrendering your plans to God. Let's pray.